We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, welcome in everyone to another episode of BuzzBeat. Uh, we just finished watching the Charlotte Hornets and the LA Lakers play uh, their third game of the season. Charlotte lost 101 to 120. Before we get into the episode, I uh, just want to let you guys know that we are a member of the Blue Wire Network, and you can find our episodes on BlueWirePods.com, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. So, this is just going to be a post-game reaction pod like we did uh, for the opener of the season. The Hornets lost 120-101 in L.A. Uh, this was the first game of the four-game California road trip here. We're getting that West Coast trip out of the way. Hornets usually do this uh, like halfway through the season. So I, I think there's mm-hmm. some benefit in kind of doing it early where you have uh, fresher legs. But uh, again, this is never an easy task to do. Uh, they have the Lakers, which we just got through watching, the Clippers, the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday, and the uh, the underwhelming Golden State Warriors come <laughs> Saturday uh, night. So maybe maybe that'll be a win for us, Brian. But uh, we're going to talk about the Lakers game specifically and uh, kind of keep this to 20 minutes uh, max here. Kind of heading into this game. You know, Charlotte obviously had a, a dud of a game against Minnesota, especially in the second half. And without Cody Zeller, uh, that was definitely a more difficult task against, uh, you know, Towns and, and, and the bigger players over there in Minnesota. But Zeller did return. And uh, Charlotte has proven that, you know, even with our young players, they've kept this, kept the games exciting. Uh, I know that Borrego's really stressing, pushing the pace. And he just seems to be kind of tailoring this team to a more modern style offense and, Pushing the pace, I think, is the biggest thing, and we see the success of the Hornets, especially in this game and and the games previous, when they can get stops, push the pace, uh, and use their young athletic players uh, to get out, you know, in transition. So, I guess I first want to start with uh, Cody Zeller, who missed the previous game for personal reasons, but he came back tonight. Uh, and to me, he was the best player on the court. 
you know, offensively and defensively, he just changes a lot of things. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about how Zeller was absent against, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and not being able to defend him. But I also think of the offensive side of ball, the ball moves side to side. He is constantly moving uh, so that the offense can flow a little bit better. And then on the defensive side of the court, uh, Zeller does a very good job hedging pick and rolls, containing that player and recovering. So what are your thoughts on Zeller in this game specifically? This was a great game for Zeller, and I I took note of during it, just this is how Cody Zeller does a good job defensively of protecting the rim, everywhere defensively, but I want to focus specifically on protecting the rim without blocking a ton of shots. And just his activity level, his ability to wall guys off, um, constantly making uh, in the right place at the right time, hitting the right assignments when he needs to be, just being set, you know, six eleven and three quarters, as Eric Collins likes to say every game now, but just being tall and active and playing intelligent heads up basketball. And he just he's a very impactful defender at the rim, even though he maybe isn't blocking a lot of shots. He's certainly deterring them or just before they can even create the open look Zeller does something that just get, takes it away or cuts down an angle or makes it a little bit more makes that shot come from a step further out or from a slightly late slightly worse angle and it just it I swear that stuff over the course of a game over the course of a full season um it, it really does make a difference and, and Zeller's one of those guys like when he's healthy and that's been sort of a, a bellwether for the Hornets last couple of years one that has not broken well for them but when he plays like he's just a really good player he's clearly this team's best player and offensively it's one of those things where I either this guy seriously added some stuff to his game in the offseason while anticipating having a different workload without Kemba or this was something that just never was able to be worked into the offense because a Zeller was hurt or B they were so dependent on just hey go over here screen roll for Kemba and dive to the hoop uh-huh. obviously he was good at that too but just you know his willingness to stand outside and shoot threes not like he's taking a ton of them but to do that to factor into Charlotte's handoff game which they have unfortunately not shot very well out of handoff looks so far this year but to do that and then have that also open up the drive game um, and obviously he's still there and working in the pick and roll although perhaps it's even more of as opposed to Cody looking for just screen assists so he can create good looks for Kemba to, to shoot and score. It's more of, hey, look for this guy on the on the roll. And, and Malik Monk had a nice little pass to him out of the pick and roll in this game as well. So just you can't say enough about Zeller. He, he's tough as nails. To come back to this game a couple days after his, his granddad died, like we found that, out, that right. out during the game. That was why he missed the Minnesota game. For him to come out like this and play, it's not inspired basketball because this is like the, the, the effort level this guy brings every time to the game. And I, I just thought he, in a game where LeBron and Anthony Davis were clearly the two best players on the court. I thought he was like clearly the third best player. You sure it wasn't Dwight Howard? Ha! <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, I've got a few thoughts on Dwight that maybe we'll get to at some point. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, this pod. Let, let's just stick with the positives here because I, I know that we can get to the negatives uh, towards the end of the podcast. Um, so yeah, Zeller definitely was a, a highlight of this. And yes, he was the best player on this team for this game, or at least in our eyes, I thought he was. As I mentioned before, the Hornets 
do try to get out and push the pace. And I think there were a couple times, especially in the second quarter, I thought was the biggest example. Uh, when, they, when they can lock in defensively and get a couple of stops, they can get out and transition and push the pace. This leads to a lot of success with the Hornets. And, and coming into this game, the Hornets were actually first in the NBA in the frequency of pushing the pace uh, in transition off of live rebound. So they get that live rebound and they're going to push it. And I thought that Rogier had an okay game, but it, like I mentioned uh, in the offseason, one of his biggest strengths is his defensive rebounding. And I, I thought he did a good job on the glass today. Let's see how many rebounds. He had six defensive rebounds uh, in today's game against the Lakers. So when you can get the guard to get rebounding, you get Miles Bridges getting the ball out in transition, Bacon. You're, you're limiting that, that pass from the big to the guard and just pushing the pace. So do you think that James Borrego is doing this because of personnel? Or do you think that he just wants to push the pace because that's the way that NBA is going? I think of it in the sense that, uh, so we're all really enjoying watching Trey Young uh, do cool things for the Hawks at the start of the season, right? And he, obviously Trey Young had a great finish to the season last year for Atlanta as well. The last half of the season, he was great. But when they played the Hornets with the Hawks early on in the season last year, they were having Trey run a ton of pick and roll. They were having him shoot a ton of pull-up threes from far away. The Hawks were just taking all kinds of corner. They were taking, shooting a ton of corner threes. They were playing fast. They were taking a ton of shots at the rim. And it's one of those things where I think the hope is, especially if you're building, if, if the goal is to go youth movement, develop players, and, and obviously you see the, the G League attachment to this as well as far as cultivating a system and also inter, how that intertwines with player development. My thought would be that this is the way they want to play going forward, right? And they're going to they're gonna try to lay the groundwork, lay the railroad tracks for that now so that when you actually do get the cart moving, there's some lot like, that you know how to play, right? That this stuff is ingrained in your head. And, and Richie, you said it, like in tonight – um, 50% of their live ball rebounds led to transition plays, which is a big number. Charlotte scored one over 1.7 points per play uh, on those possessions. Um, a live ball rebound going into a transition possession overall. Uh, Charlotte, 21% of their possessions against the Lakers tonight were transition. Before things got really wonky for them in the third quarter, that was about a quarter that they things really slowed down as the Lakers sort of gained control. But overall, uh, Charlotte scores 1.65 points per play in transition. That's factoring in transition possessions off of live rebounds and steals. So yeah, I think they have a system that they're trying to put in place. I don't think that they're just trying to play fast because that's what everyone is doing. Though I think that that is like a, a part of it, right? But I, I think ultimately, uh-huh. to develop players, an aspect of it is that you have a you have uh, the, an organizational style that you want to achieve, and this is something that I gotta think if Borrego is 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 resetting his sights on what his coaching career is going to look like post Kemba Walker, post trying to make the do whatever it takes to make the playoffs. That this this is the, the pivot is. Well, I have a philosophy that I want us to attain to as, as an organization and as a basketball team, and that involves us playing fast, that involves us running off of rebounds, that involves um, side-to-side actions, that involves a lot of three-pointers, and yeah, it just so happens, yeah, that's the way that a lot of um, 
smart basketball teams mm-hmm. are also playing hoops these days. Yeah, and Charlotte did outscore the Lakers 26-16 in fast break points. So again, another point of emphasis for JB uh, and kind of installing this offense. And I think that's what we're going to see kind of all season. Uh, the last player that I want to get to before we get into the break here is Dwayne Bacon. So Dwayne Bacon, uh, at certain points in this game, I feel like he just seems like an afterthought. You just don't really think about him. Uh, but then all of a sudden in the third quarter, I believe he scores nine points in the quarter, heats up, getting to the rim. He can draw fouls like the best of them. He does tend to rely on that mid-range game a little bit too much, but there is an aspect to his game where he has that one-on-one ability, and if that requires him to pull up for mid-range, that requires him to pull up for mid-range. And obviously that's not the, the most efficient shot in the game, but he has that in him. He had 15 points in the game today. And he's a player, like I've always said, that he can go get you a bucket uh, when things start to slow down. So when when the Hornets are not out in transition, he's somebody that you can rely on in the half court. So what are your thoughts on, on Dwayne Bacon so far this season, or more specifically this game? It wasn't the most efficient game. He's got, he shot 40% from the field, but felt like at, at certain points, man, he is the guy that we lean on. His shot making in the third quarter was terrific. And and I think even Eric and Dell referenced that on the broadcast for the Hornets. Like, it, when they needed a bucket, they turned to him and and Dwayne either you know put it on the deck and, and tried to create something and, and was able to get to the rim or he, you know he was able to get, he just took two free throws in this game. But I think the thing with Bacon is a couple thoughts. I've been thinking about this thought about this even during the Minnesota game, which similar performance, which was he was used a lot, didn't you know scored some, but was not super efficient. This is what the season was going to be like for Dwayne, which was. It was going to be more usage, less efficiency overall. Now, there, now we could, we could, we could, we could break that up and talk about that bit by bit more, more, more. But we're not, we're not going to do that on this podcast. But just overall, more usage, more pick and roll, more driving. Um, so yeah, he's going to be, he's going to get a chance to show off his skills and score a lot of points. But yeah, it's going to overall hurt. It's not going to be the efficient second side player like he was playing next to Kemba last season. As far as Bacon goes, his ability to drive, man, he is a really physical and just burrowing driver. He reminds me to an extent of Malcolm Brogdon, actually. Just the way he's able to sort of, it's not like he's just going to totally blow by you, but he'll, he'll get he'll get around you, he'll get his shoulder dug into you, and all of a sudden he's got a, an angle as he's, as he's going downhill. He just sort of tunnels his way, burrows his way to the rim, um, and it, it helps that he's not afraid of contact. The other thing I would say, too, is, you know, again, I've, this is the third. I've seen the Lakers play all three of their games so far this year. <laughs> the Lakers could use Dwayne Bacon. They could really use a guy like that, someone else other than LeBron that could uh, create their own shot and is still a pretty good catch and shoot player. Like this is a guy that's gonna. The efficiency numbers are gonna be bloody this year. But overall, I think Dwayne Bacon. You know, he has he has a nice skill set as. Um, a guard he's just perhaps a little miscast as like an offensive lead dog catalyst as opposed to um, you know your fifth option in a starting lineup or or um, you know microwave scorer off the bench all right Brian let's take a break real quick humans have been shaving for thousands of years and the secret to a great shave well it hasn't changed much the ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, and it's at a low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential. Plus, 
Harry's is just super convenient and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. The holiday rush is coming, and if you sell online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders or decide which shipping carrier to use or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. That's key. No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Okay, we're back from the break. Uh, So let's wrap up this episode just kind of talking about some of the other players. Uh, We can still talk about some of the positives, but definitely want to get into some of the negatives here. I do want to say this. Miles Bridges was named the the player of the game for the Charlotte Hornets here, and I actually thought that his overall game and impact was a little bit misleading uh, in terms of his impact on the game. I still think there's an issue with him. Defensively, he's a little bit slow-footed. And there was a lot of times when he was guarding LeBron James and LeBron James at the beginning of this game uh, did not score a whole lot, but he was definitely a facilitator and he was able to kind of drive and, and get into the lane and, and make some dump off passes down low to players in the dunker spot or alley-oops. Uh, and a lot of that, I shouldn't say a lot of that, a portion of that was because of Miles Bridges. I still have issues with Miles Bridges when it comes to his dribble drive game. His handle is still... A little bit loose, and I remember one play specifically in the first quarter uh, where he just completely lost it. The ball got real high. So even though if you look at his stat line and, and you notice that he was the player of the game on the Hornets broadcast, I think you know his impact wasn't as great mm-hmm. as maybe the stat line showed. Yeah, I mean, again, his handle is going to be tough. I, I know exactly that first one you're talking to. He was like going from the corner. He tried to yep. tr- tr- beat a closeout right and just like, I mean, he might as well punted the ball into the stands. Miles is sort of like that really explosive running back in football who, you know, could fumble it on any carry or he could just take it to house 70 yards on every time he touches the ball. It's just, it is a, it is a trick-or-treat moment with him. Ultimately, I like his boldness on these possessions, and he has some certainly special athleticism that if he could if he could ever just hone it all together, he'd be a really fun offensive player. But we got a ways to go there. Uh, defensively, we talk about this all the time, but yeah, I mean, like he gets caught ball watching, he gets caught people watching, he gets caught just in space, just paying attention to you know 
you don't even need dummy action to get this guy distracted. Do you know what I mean? And, and there was one play in the third quarter. Uh, JaVel McGee dunked it to make the score 74-70. It was like the Lakers ran middle screen roll. P.J. Washington switched on to LeBron. I think Terry Rozier switched on to Anthony Davis. The Lakers ran a ton of two-man action with those two guys tonight as as well they should. Um, the ball got thrown into AD in the post. Cody Zeller came over to help Rozier on, a, on like a double. And Miles needed to bump down uh, to get uh, McGee, to tag McGee in the dunker spot. He never did. Uh, Davis to McGee slam. And um, honestly, like, that's not the play that swung the game because the Lakers were sort of just treading water until they could just run away with this. But um, it happened right around when things started to really go sideways for the Hornets, huh. too, tonight. Um, and that was something that I happened to make a note of at the time. And it just so happened that, uh, again, that was when things continued to, to get bad for the Hornets in the, uh, the third quarter. Overall, in the second half, Charlotte just uh, 16 of 48 shooting, uh, 33%, not great. Um, and they are three of 18 on three point shooting in the second half. One of those was a bit of a heave, though. So, really, three of 17. On three-point shooting in the second half of the Hornets, 0-3 from the corners. Like, yeah, I mean, like th- th- this game got away for a lot of reasons from Charlotte, yeah. in part because they went absolutely bone dry from offense, including Devontae Graham, who finally came crashing back down to earth. Uh, with uh, Devontae entered tonight, averaging uh, 23.5 points per game, <laughs> shooting <laughs> 75% on three-pointers, including six of nine on pull-up threes. And he made a pull-up three earlier in this game. Yeah, four-point play. But that was the only shot that he hit. Devontae Graham, one of 13 from the field, uh, one of six um, from beyond the arc. But yeah, anything else you wanted to add about Miles or, or Graham there? Devontae Graham still plays with some poise. Um, I think his game, on the other hand, I think his, his stat line is a little bit misleading in the sense that I think he made a bigger impact than that one of 13 shooting or one of six from D. Five assists and six free throws. One okay. turn so, I mean, pretty good. Just when he's out there, it just looks like he's poised. I, I think in the first half, I think we he had a bigger impact than he did in the second half. Bridges, I have nothing more to add on him. I know that you did mention P.J. Washington. He had you know a quiet game offensively, but mm-hmm. I thought defensively he did a good job of switching out on to a couple different players and... He even had one time in the post against uh, Anthony Davis where, you know, he bodied him up and not didn't necessarily push him off the block, but definitely got him going away from the rim a little bit. So I know you mentioned uh, wanting to bring up P.J. Washington. What are your thoughts about him? Yeah, I thought this was the first time offensively for P.J. where things looked a little, he looked a little hurried in the, in the game. Things seem to be happening a little too fast for him and understandable. This is, you know, you're playing against freaking LeBron and the Lakers in Los Angeles, um, and you're a rookie. <laughs> like, if you were ever, if there were ever a time for you to get a little nervy and a little sped up, uh, now it's different than when you're playing, uh, you know, the Lowry Markinen and the Chicago Bulls on a, you know, a Wednesday night in, in Uptown. Um, defensively, I thought he had some issues in the first half uh he there was one possession where he got switched on to Danny Green and Green he, he, I think he missed the shot at the rim but he cut in on the baseline like behind Washington PJ didn't see him sliding in I, I still think you know I noticed this in the preseason as well like I think he's having small issues on closeouts and I think guys are able to throw him off in space with a with a head fake or a shoulder fake or a pump and drive uh but 
Yeah, like he's going to have these games as a rookie, and I think he responded well early in the second half. He had like three possessions on on Anthony Davis that were uh-huh. phenomenal, including the this post up possession you're talking about, blocking a steal tonight for PJ, which is something else to keep an eye on. Like his stocks numbers have been positive so far, which is well, another thing that we like. Ultimately, I, I really like this guy as a defensive prospect. I think his help in team defense have been overall pretty pretty damn good. Um, there's some one-on-one defending he's going to struggle with. And tonight was just a tough matchup. Like, dude, Anthony yeah. Davis is playing out of his freaking mind right now. And, you know, that LeBron guy is still pretty good. And those were the, mo- the majority of the possessions that P.J. played. Those guys were on him. And then one last thing I want to bring up with uh, Washington. And this is something that Spencer mentioned on a pod last week. And I noticed it tonight. And it's something to keep an eye on going forward. But just teams – finding ways perhaps to run P.J. off the three-point line because they know he's a good three-point shooter. And he had a couple turnovers. He didn't look great in the post uh, tonight either, even though they went to it. And he he had a couple tough misses, I think. Um, Obviously, some good rim protectors for the Lakers out there too. But Danny Green was matched up with him for a little bit. Uh, At one point in the first half, LeBron was on bridges. And, yeah, they had Danny Green on P.J. Washington. I just think that's a thing that I'll be curious to see if more teams try that. Perhaps that was isolated to just, you know, just the Lakers. At this point, I don't think Washington's a guy that teams are having to completely game plan around. (laughs) Like, I'm not suggesting that. But for a guy like Washington, like, if he's going to beat you with the long ball, well, then put a faster guy that can force closeouts on him and then see if P.J. can can beat you on uh, closeouts or take that guy to the post. And I think the Hornets are willing to try that stuff. They certainly were tonight. Not a lot, but occasionally. And I just think that's – we'll see what happens with that going forward. I think that's something to monitor for Charlotte and P.J. And you're right, uh, at least defensively, where on the perimeter he's definitely got a ways to go. But, you know, off ball or, or down low, it feels like he's a little bit better on that end or – I guess a lot of it better mm-hmm. in the help side as well. But I'm just going to run through some quick bullet point things here that I wanted to mention before we kind of hop off. Uh, Malik Monk, he was negative 22 uh, in 14 minutes. I think his passing is definitely still still a factor. He, he does well out of the pick and roll in terms of his passing. Uh, but his shooting and his defense has still got a ways to go that makes him you know, a little bit less playable. Uh, as a team, the team allowed 74 points in the paint and allowed 76% field goal percentage at the rim. Last thing, 29.8% offensive rebounding percentage rate for the Lakers, which is really good. Hornets are still struggling to rebound the ball on the defensive end. Uh, We just don't have a lot of height. And when you play small, and I guess when you emphasize getting out in transition, sometimes players leak a little bit up the court and don't grab that rebound. Any last thoughts on the Hornets through three games here, Brian? Yeah. Or in the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we just we knew this was not going to be a great defensive rebounding team this year, but there was even I think this is one of those times where you miss Batum or or you miss having MKG just be on the 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 exterior of the rotation. But with about fifty seconds left to go in the first half, Brego went to a three guard look with Monk. Graham and Bacon, I think maybe Rozier. Maybe Rozier. But uh, the the first possession, the Lakers went down. After that, they missed a shot from a corner. I mean, Anthony Davis was like Godzilla out there and grabbed the rebound and spiked <laughs> it home. And it was like I don't know what else I expected to happen on that possession. So yeah, they're not going to be a good defensive rebounding team. Um, ultimately, I'm sort of okay to punt on that, as as I think there are more important things for this team to work work on in terms of development and stuff. But yeah, like yeah. that's going to be an yeah. issue all year. Lord help them when they play like the Nuggets in Nikola Jokic. Yeah, it's something you have to give up when you go small and, and you emphasize 
getting out in transition. Sometimes these players just want to get out and go before actually grabbing the ball. Uh, so the Hornets do get to play uh, the better of the two LA teams tonight by the time you're listening to this, uh, and that might not look pretty. So, But again, thanks again for tuning in. There's definitely some encouraging stuff with this Hornets team. It feels like they're going to be fun and feisty and competitive at certain points. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, be sure to give our podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. Uh, and continue to listen to us, guys, and share it with your friends. Go Hornets! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.